Peace versus fairness, vadai ikaramai. The slogan of peace at all costs is a slogan, is a principle that undermines the very principle that we learned from Rabbi Shimon Gamliel yesterday, that the world stands on three, on three pillars. Al-Adin va'al-Hayemet va'al-Shalom. Peace is only one of the three pillars. There's also the pillar of, of Emet. There's got to be truth, and we discussed what kind of truth it is we're talking about. And there also needs to be Din. Din is justice. Din is fairness. And very often, we, in the name of peace, we do things that are unfair. Unfair to one of the party, we, one of the parties. We get peace, but, but at the cost of fairness. That is something we can never do. And we talk about a, a two-state solution, and by the way, we should never use the word solution. A two-state solution implies that it solves something, and we know it solves nothing. So the, the United Nations can call it a two-state solution. We should call it a two-state disaster, because we've seen the disaster that's resulted from, from two states. But to reward the Palestinians f for October the 7th with a state of their own, even if it were to bring shalom, would undermine the principle of din. That would be an that would be unfair, unfair to the victims of October the seventh and to the the people who've died subsequently. We have to be able to balance. It's very, very difficult, and that's why it's a dayan is a shutaf That's why it's a it's a divine activity to be able to balance the tensions of din emet and shalom. And isn't it wonderful that in Bovim which most people think that Shlaim Ochsim is talking about two people find a talus on the street, what we're learning are the foundational principles of the dynamics of, of politics, the dynamics of disputes at resolution, the dynamics of, of, of how the world operates in, in a real environment of, of conflict. Uh, and that's really the underlying principles that we are learning is, is the nature of conflict and the nature of resolution of conflict. How when there isn't clarity, as we've, as we've said yesterday, how when the present and the past is blurred, do we move forward into a future that is, that is clear? How do we gain clarity about the future when we have such, uh, such blurredness in, in our present state of, of being? And the shir has been dedicated by Rabbi Yisrael Meir Herbst, who's a very regular Talmud of ours in, in New York. And he's dedicated this to Rebeli Meir ben Rebeloza Lipman, who is the Mechaber of a Sefer called Noam Elimelech. And it's his Yotzai today. The Noam Elimelech was a very great Hasidish Rebbe in the early days of Hasidish. He was a Talmud of, of uh, the Magid Mimizrich. He was a Rebbe of the Ma'or Vashemish, a great semi-Kabbalistic work on, on the Chumash, and somebody who's, who was intensely concerned for the well-being of the Jewish people. He didn't want to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. He didn't want his body to be moved to Eretz Yisrael. He wanted it to stay among his community so that he could take care of them after his death as well. He died nearly 300 years ago. In our tradition, in the Lithuanian tradition, we're not very attached to, to burial places. We're not very attached to graves. We believe that once the person has departed, the relationship shifts from a physical one into a spiritual one. And we connect with the tzaddikim through studying their works, through keeping their legacy alive, through living the lives they taught us to live. That's how we create connection with the tzaddikim who have died. But in the Hasidic tradition, there is some form of physical connection that continues after death. And that's why in the Hasidic tradition and in much of the Sephardi tradition, the tradition is to visit the, the graves of, of tzaddikim and to connect with them in that way. And the grave of, of uh, the Noam Elimelech is one of those graves that the, uh, the Hasidim treasure.
we start with a Gemara and Davlamet Zayin, a Mishnah and Davlamet Zayin, because we're looking at two cases. The one case is our case of the Mishnah. Two people are grabbing one talis. Each one claims it's theirs. Each one claims they found it. That's the, the opening Mishnah of Bav Metziah. On Daflamid Zion, we have another situation where two people go to the bank in the days where they used to use real, real money, not digital money. They go to the bank with money. They've got $3,000 in cash. And they give the $3,000 to the teller. And they say, this man is the one, is giving, putting $1,000. He's depositing $1,000. And this man is depositing $2,000. The teller gets confused. Everybody gets confused. And now both people say, I'm the one who gave you $2,000. My friend gave you 1,000. And the other one says, I'm the one who gave you 2,000. My friend gave you 1,000. What do we do? So that each one is entitled to 1,000, there's no dispute about. Everybody agrees that each one's entitled to 1,000. The whole dispute is about the third thousand. Who would that go? The Mone Shlishi, the third 100, as the Mishnah calls it there. Who does that go to? The Chachomim say that that goes to, based in, have to hold on to it until there is clarity. They would hold on to it. Ad We say until Elijah comes, and that doesn't mean necessarily Eliyahu comes. It means evidence is there. Until we have clarity, you can't allocate that 1,000 to any party. It has to be deposited and, and, and kept aside. Rabbi Yossi says something intriguing. Rabbi Yossi says that doesn't penalize the Ramai, the, 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 the crook. Somebody's a crook there. Somebody's claiming a 1,000 that doesn't belong to them. And by giving each one their thousand back and putting the third thousand aside, who suffers? The only person who suffers is the honest person. The crook got his thousand back. The honest person has lost one of his thousands. That's not fair. Says Rabbi Yossi, that's not fair. The whole lot should wait. You take the whole lot, all the, the full three thousand, and you put that aside until there's clarity. Because that might encourage the crook to say, oh, you know what? Actually, I made a mistake. You're right. You were the guy who gave the 2,000, so can you give me back my 1,000 and give him the 2,000? We, we incentivize him to come, to come clean. That's Rabbi Yossi. Shnaim shivkidu etzelechad, zeh maneh vzeh mataim, zeh omer shili mataim, vzeh omer shili mataim, noten lezeh maneh lezeh maneh, you give each one a hundred, vashari emunachad shiyov elio, and the rest has to be put aside until there's clarity. Omer Rabbi Yossi, mkin maiv sidar amai, then the crook loses nothing, nothing will encourage him to come clean. Elo akol ye emunachad shiyov elio. Al Gemara then says, what about, what would Rabbi Yossi say about our case? We don't have a record of Rabbi Yossi commenting on our case. Does he agree with the Mishnah? Two people are holding on to a talis. So we say, the Mishnah said, Yechloku, you divide it. There's no way of knowing whose it is. You divide it between the two of them. Would Rabbi Yossi say, but then the crook's getting rewarded. One person picks up this, this mitzvah, picks up the talis in the street, another one grabs it and says, oh, it's mine. He's getting rewarded. He's getting half a talis from nothing. Rather, why would Rabbi Yossi hold it should all be kept aside until Eliyahu comes? And the Gemara goes backwards and forwards and, and makes a distinction and says, no, there's a difference. Because in the case of the of Daflamid Zion, of the two of the one thousand and the two thousand, making a total of three thousand, in that case there, there's Vada Ikaramai. We know there's a crook. In the case of the Mitzia, maybe they did both pick it up together. We don't know for sure that there's a crook. And therefore, the principle of, of incentivizing the crook doesn't apply. The, incentivizing the crook to, be, to come clean doesn't apply. Tosfus learns 
by the language of the Gemara's retraction later on, where the Gemara says, Ela machvarta gedashanina mikha. The Gemara says, let's, but Ela, let's go back to our original understanding of the difference between these two cases. Tosfus says, and we won't go into it in detail, but those of you who are learning the daf learn the, the Tosfus, it's, it's very important. And Tosfus says, from that word Ela, which in the Gemara always indicates a retraction. When the Gemara uses the word Ela, it means the previous assumption is being withdrawn and replaced with a different opinion. And so when the Gemara says, oh, but so we go back to our first, our first assumption, says Tosfus, but it says Ela. Ela means we're not really going back to the first assumption. We're going back to the first assumption with a modification. What's the modification, says Tosfus? Originally, we thought that what Rabbi Yossi was after was penalizing the crook, so as to incentivize him to come clean. Where Tosfus concludes the Gemara's going now is, even if there's no penalty for the crook, the real difference between our Mishnah and the Mishnah on Daflamid Zion is whether we know there's a crook or they, or they might both be honest. That's all that's important. In, in our Mishnah on Daf Bez, they could both have picked up the, the garment together. We don't know that there's a crook. In the case of, of the three of the three thousand dollars being deposited in the bank, we know for sure there's a crook. Three thousand were deposited, we know that. We know one deposited 2,000, one deposited 1,000. Nobody's disputing that. That being the case, the fact that both are claiming 2,000 means one of them is telling a lie. In such a case, Rabbi Yossi says, you put the whole lot aside until we have clarity. Not because we're trying to incentivize the crook. This is what's interesting in Tosfus. It's not a strategy to bring the crook clean. That's not what this is. It's something else. We need to decide, we need to understand what that something else is. It goes so far that the, the Ritvo disagrees with Rashi on an interesting point. Rashi on the previous daf, on daf Beis and Mudalaf at the bottom, Rashi said, this is all about two people find a mitzia. They find a, an object in the street. Or two people buy an object. Each one claims, I bought it. They were both in the store together. They're both trying to argue. They're both bidding for the object. At the end, of the object is sold, and each one claims they, they got the object. And it's talking about a case where there's no way of documentary way of clarifying. Each one says they bought it. So there too, they could both have bought it. They could have bought it in partnership. It's possible. That says Rashi on the previous staff. If each were to say, I manufactured this garment, that isn't possible. One says, I manufactured it in Japan, and the other one says, I manufactured it in the Philippines. That can't be. So we know somebody's lying. There, the prince, we would not say, even the Chachomim would not say, you divide it. Because in such a case, we know there's a crook. The Ritvo here says, even in that case, you would divide it. Why? Because it's possible that they, that they both manufactured it. Even though they're, they're claiming, each one is claiming, I manufactured it, not you. And he says, I manufactured it, not you. That's, their claims cannot be reconciled. But the facts could be reconciled. So the Ritvor goes so far as to say, if Bezdin think in their minds, if the judges in their minds think, even though the two litigants' claims cannot be reconciled, however, there is a scenario where their claims could be reconciled. It could be that they manufactured it in a plant that belongs to both of them. 
It could be that it was partially manufactured in Japan and partially manufactured in the, in the Philippines. That could be. So from our perspective, there's a minute possibility that there isn't a crook. In such a case, you don't put it aside till Mashiach comes. You divide it. You do what you need to do. But, but not if there's no possibility that there isn't a crook. So what is it that Tosfos is teaching us in this statement of the Gemara? Initially, we, we thought, as Rashi actually says at the top of our Omud, Rashi actually says the issue here with Rabbi Yossi is a strategy to penalize the crook so as to incentivize him to come clean. At the end, we see, according to Tosfos, with this word, Ella, that's no longer the thinking. It's not about penalizing the crook. It's about the existence of a crook. The fact that there's a crook means we can't divide it. Why not? This is where we have to understand that peace cannot be achieved at the expense of fairness. If there's a crook and you divide it, if you based in know that there is no way that there's not a crook here, somebody is crooked, somebody is telling a lie, and you divide it, even though that brings to peace, even if the two parties say, okay, that's better than nothing, that doesn't help because you've compromised one of the three principles on which the world stands. You've compromised din. You've compromised fairness. And, and that's why I said, to, even if a, giving the, the Palestinians a state, for example, just using that as an example of a conflict, would bring about peace, even if that would be the case. It's unfair after October the 7th. It might have been fine on October the 6th, but after October the 7th to reward murderers with a, a prize that's not fair. And we're not allowed to achieve peace at the cost of fairness. And that's something we have to be aware of. Very often we have to resolve a conflict. We've got a situation in a business. Two teams are arguing. Two individuals are arguing. Uh, two children in a, in a household are arguing. Uh, two brothers are arguing. We, ha we have these things all in all, all many situations. And we're very quick to find a peaceful solution. And we're talking about where you can't get to the emiss. You don't know what the truth is. We don't have enough fact. But there's, there's enough claim on both sides to want to say, let's, so, so let's share it. Let's split the difference. How often do you hear people say, let's split the difference? Sometimes it's not fair to split the difference. Splitting the difference, a 50-50 outcome, a compromise, is not always fair. It might bring peace, but it's not a lasting peace. It's not a peace in the heart because the one party knows it isn't fair. To, be, to have imposed upon you a solution, in, in inverted commas, a solution that isn't fair is not a solution at all. That's why we see the brilliance of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's comment in Pirkei Avot. There are three things that have to be managed in tandem if we're going to get to true solution. Yes, you want an outcome which is shalom. You want there to be peace. You want people to be able to move forward. There needs to be MS. There's need to be, there needs to be honesty and integrity in the process of getting there. But there also needs to be dealing. We've got to make sure that whatever outcome we come to when we're dealing with conflict between human beings is not only one that leads to peace, not only one that is done with integrity, but also one that recognizes the importance of justice, of din, of fairness.